listening to episode 76 of Desi Geek Girls. I'm Preeti Chibber. And I'm Swapna Krishna, and we are recording on Wednesday, July 27th. <sighs> We're both having a day today um, because I was like, if anybody, if you follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you know, I was in airports for like 12 hours yesterday trying to get home. What would have been a seven hour drive? I got to the airport at 920. <laughs> a.m. and I got home at like 11 p.m. It's not and funny. It was a one you're... hour flight. Like it's literally wheels up to wheels <laughs> down. Your North delivery, Carolina. Your delivery on seven hour drive just that. It was just it been a seven hour drive. <laughs> it's a 59 minute flight wheels up to wheels down. Oh my gosh. It was just it was so bad and my bag didn't make it. I'm still like supposedly they're supposed to deliver my bag today. Um, and uh, it's it's it, it was oh. it's been a lot and then you had a big day which is the first thing we're going to talk about <laughs> I i'm did. very excited so yesterday what happened spider-man's social dilemma is officially out in the world for people to buy and read and and hopefully like <laughs> okay i have a song for you ready? okay i'm ready i'm ready preethi chipper preethi chipper does whatever a preethi can okay <laughs> I don't sing, so it's a big deal for me to sing. This I is, love it. This has been. I was gonna do it. Like I have a big. I have. I would. I have a had a big thing to do, like with the book, and do like a little like TikTok or reel about it. But my book supposed to come today. Still is not here. So, <laughs> so at this point, I'm just like I'm gonna go to the bookstore and pick it up if it doesn't come today. <laughs> no, it was it was fun. I went out to um, Little Shop of Stories in Decatur and signed a bunch of pre-orders uh, yesterday evening. Which was exciting. Yeah. yeah. Was we, it, was it, were there names you recognized? There were a lot of names I recognized, which was That's very so cute. fun. That's I with Swordstone Table, when there were people I, whose names I recognized, I was like, oh, thank you. Please don't spend your money on me or perceive me in any way. This is really embarrassing. Is that the <laughs> right? thing you feel? Yes. It's so funny. Like, anytime there is this layer of, like, don't perceive me. I know that, like, I, I clearly we have to use the internet for promotion. Yes. Clearly. Like, I have been very aggressive in promoting this book. Um, because I want people to read it. But it is also one of those things when like real people you know in real life <laughs> like participate, you're like, oh Yes. Yes. It's like just just this is it's a very weird thing about being public, like having a being a little higher profile mm-hmm. on the internet, having a little bit of a platform. Like you you develop this like lo- like this like line between your personal life and your professional life. And it's not that you're not authentic online. You like, I definitely am the same person online on this podcast, wherever, um, as I am in my personal life. It's just like, I don't talk about the things I do in my professional life, really in my personal life a whole lot. And so when they cross, it's very weird. (laughs) You're like, I'm so glad you have seen all of my posting, but also, oh God, you've seen all of my posts. Yes. Like, oh, like somebody commented about my, um, my like hot wharf posts, which we'll get to that. I didn't put this in our agenda because we are going to go through SDC news, C news today. That's going to be the main part of the episode. Um, but, and I was like, oh, just no, like, no, like somebody who like does not like follow any sort of fandom stuff or does not know me online was like, oh, I saw you posting about like Worf and his hair. And I was like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> like, don't, don't look at me. Okay. So, but so 
it is, your book is now out in the world. So you said, I saw you say something online and this was interesting to me because I don't think of it this way, but you said that this was your first original novel yeah, or something like that. Yeah, but yeah, so yeah. how, so, okay. So, uh, Peter and the, your Peter and Ned's travel journal mm-hmm. was a movie tie-in, obviously. Was a movie but tie-in. How are your Avengers series I mean, those novels are, different? Those are- I don't think those are novels, right? They're illustrated. They're like illustrated, um, almost like chapter books. They're a little earlier. They're, you know, the kind of second to fourth grade reading level. Okay. And like they are highly illustrated. Like those are like probably 20, 20,000, 25,000 words all told. Um, and so I don't I don't consider them novels okay. because they are so, so heavily illustrated. They're still really right. fun and I'm very proud of them and they're wholly original. Um, but they're collaborative and they're they're much more um image focused and and uh than necessarily text focused. Whereas this is like straight up prose. I wrote every right. single word in that book and <laughs> like just my story. And so that was this is new. Like it's only my name on the book. Like this book succeeds or fails. It's my name on the cover. And that was a little, it's daunting and it's different and it's a new experience. So how does it feel? Because in your Avengers books, you are writing legacy. You are absolutely writing legacy characters, but they're also, a lot of them are newer characters. You're writing Ms. Marvel, Miles Morales, Squirrel Girl. These are characters that were, like some, a lot of these characters are, there's, the legacy, but they're newer. Peter Parker is not. <laughs> nope. <laughs> How did that like did, was that was that jaunt like was did was did that feel different? It felt different in a few ways. One, you know, again, like this was such a bigger project. Like this is three books. This is the first book in a trilogy, so I had to come up with a much more longer term story. Um, and yeah, he's this character's been around for six years and something I think very, very early on in the process I had to work at coming to terms with is that not everybody's going to like my interpretation of the character. In the same mm-hmm. way that when I read comics sometimes or when I re- watch something or read something that's about Peter Parker, the, the creator might have a different take on who he is than I do. And it might it just might not be something that I engage with. And so... I just have to remember that like there will be readers who totally love this version of Pete and there will be readers who are like, this is not mine. Like this is not my Peter Parker. And that's a little scary because you know, it's not like someone's going to pick up this book who isn't a Spider-Man fan necessarily. Right. Like these people who are coming to this book, like you can, I tried to make it very accessible but, like, odds are you like Spider-Man or you like the mm-hmm. idea of Spider-Man, whether it's, like, just through movies or comics or however you came to him. You have an idea about who he is in your head. Mm-hmm. And so that's a little scary. Of yeah. Like, I am meeting people who already have an idea about who this person is in their head and hopefully gelling with them. Yes. Are there any, like, runs or, you know, or other works that you went back to when you were writing or that you, for whether it's of Peter or of another character, like, is there anything you kept held in your head while you were writing? Um, I think that for Spidey, and I've I've said this um, a few times because I genuinely really, really love this run, but Robbie Thompson's Spidey series from 2014 is so, Mm -hmm. so, so good. 
it is like such an easy access point for Spider-Man and it is perfect for young readers because it's Peter Parker, high school, contemporary era Mm -hmm. and vignettes. So each issue is like a story on its own. So you don't have to have like 600 volumes of knowledge. Um, And then Chip Zdarsky's Spectacular Spider-Man run was another big one for me because I think he clearly, he for me has a really good read on who Peter Parker is. Yeah. Um, And then for, I also thought about, there are a lot of authors who are doing great work in the middle grade space with these legacy characters, like Ronald uh, L. Smith's Black Panther series, which is also for Disney. They're so good. It's like a young T'Challa coming over to America um, as a kid and sort of like learning about things and and dealing with mysteries and action. And those are really, really fun. and of course, Jason Reynolds, Miles Morales book is yeah. so good. So like there are all these like there's this great sort of activity happening around kids like kids media and kids books and comics for these characters. That is really, really fun. And I'm excited to be a part of that. Yeah, absolutely. And so we've like if you, people who aren't overly familiar with Spider-Man, but like the character, we've seen, if like your main exposure to Spidey is like the movies, we've mm-hmm. seen the story of Spidey in high school, like of Peter Parker in high school a lot. Mm-hmm. So like how, I guess I don't, it's so hard. You have your Peter in your head and that's yes. not necessarily the same Peter that we've seen in any of the Spider-Man movies. Right. Uh, the, you know, and how do you like how does like the Peter Parkers you've seen on screen inform your Spidey because like it's different for a lot in a lot of respects what's in the comics because Peter's older in the comics like he's not in high school anymore necessarily unless you're looking at specific runs but in the movies he's in high school all you know all sets of movies that we have like he like starts out in high school so how like, how does that inform verse, especially the current MCU, where, like, Tom Holland is the Spider-Man of a generation? Like, yes. he really does, and so he does good. such a good job embodying so Peter. How does that inform versus, you, you? but you're not writing an MCU, no. Peter. This is an original Peter. Um, so how, like, how do you work with that? How do you hold all that in your head? Well, not <laughs> mimicking Peter, but also, like, not mimicking the way Tom Holland does Peter, but also Tom Holland does Peter, Peter, so, like, it's so much. How do you do it? (laughs) I think what's fun about Tom Holland and what the MCU did was let him live in high school for a little bit. Like, the – I love Toby. I I even – I love Andrew. I thought Andrew as Spider-Man was so, so good. Yes. But those movies clearly were – they used high school as launching points. Yes. Right? And it was to get them – to fast-forward them to being the the Peter Parker he would be. Um, The MCU let – Peter be in high school which is really nice and so what I think you'll see in the book is it's that first movie Homecoming when it came out I remember being like this is good because it's YA this Mm -hmm. is a young adult Spider-Man movie it's coming of age in every sense of the word and so you'll see some of that for obvious reasons in my book because of the he's you know 16 in this book And he's only been Spider-Man for a short time because that was something I wanted to explore was that point in his life of being Spider-Man when he's like sort of getting used to it, but like not really, (laughs) which is not dissimilar to where he is in Homecoming. The difference for me, I think, is it's funny when I was writing Peter and Ned's Ultimate Travel Journal, I wrote 
that first version of the manuscript and I got notes back from the studio that were like, this isn't MCU Peter. You didn't write MCU Peter in this. Okay, that's so interesting. Yeah, because I was writing my Peter. I had him telling all these funny little jokes and I had him like doing all these things and they're like, and that's not MCU Pete. Like MCU Pete is much more of the straight man in his points like he's very the jokes are his earnestness in some ways yes a hundred percent but it's not this like like andrew in the suit who is like super quippy super on it like that's not mcup and so but my pete so this was fun because i did get to then write my pete who is a little bit more like on it in terms of like understanding how to use his wit in understanding Mm -hmm his place as like part of my way of fighting these bad guys who are so much older than me, who are so much more experienced than me is unsettling them with how annoying I am. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. and, and by making fun of them and kind of trying to tear them down a little bit while we're fighting and getting them so irritated by my like annoying quips that (laughs) I'm going to get them down. So it's like, it's things like that where you look like you look at the differences Whereas the overlap is just, I think, coming of age, really. It's like, which is such a fun thing to do when you're like, oh, it's coming of age. Also, he's a superhero. Yeah. No. (laughs) So, okay, I have one last question. It's a little bit like publishing in the weeds. But so this book is technically like lower YA. And that's, it's like, that's different than, like, can you basically, what was it like? So right now, for people who aren't, super familiar with publishing the mm-hmm. accusation whether true or not i'm not I, I i am not familiar enough to go but is that a lot of ya is upper ya written more for adults than for teenagers okay i'm not sure if that's true or not but so there's been a new movement for like and lower ya is not it's like it's like there's more coming out now so can you like talk about like what is it like to write lower ya versus upper ya and how you feel about that distinction Sure. I think it's funny because they're, they are kind of arbitrary, but for years, like I've been talking about this for literal years, that we have this huge empty spot in publishing for kids where we have great stuff for pre-K, for K-1, for, you know, early readers, chapter books, middle grade, um, which is great for like 8 to 10 or 8 to 11, 8 to 12, something like that. And then from like 10 to 14. Yeah there's this hole because all of a sudden then we go to YA and YA is 14 plus yeah. in terms okay. of ages. And so there's this like point that happens for kids where you're in like, I would say like what we used to call tween, which mm-hmm, is no longer mm-hmm. a word I think people like using, but it's that tween. It's like seventh, eighth grade sort of. Um, and to like some sixth graders, obviously, where there's just like, they might not quite be ready for 14 plus YA, but they're, over reading maybe like this regular old middle grade stuff right and so there's this idea of like upper middle grade slash younger YA which is what this I think the Rick Riordan presents series do really really well um whether it's like Arusha or like um obviously Percy like those handle that age level really well because they deal with those coming of age ideas of like I have a crush on somebody or like all of a sudden I'm thinking about things that I didn't care about, you know, right. like what my image is and how to like fit in with like clicks and like things like that um, in a more heightened sort of way. Right. 
but without maybe some of the more intense like I'm going to a party my friends are drinking and driving I'm right you know the language I'm using is a little more heightened the the themes are a little more intense um and so that age level I think is really fun because you can do a little bit of that but mostly it's dealing with that as a piece of your life whereas Mm -hmm. with upper like with like 14 plus why I think it gets a much much larger focus yeah that makes sense okay sorry for the (laughs) uh like like I just I'm just super curious about it as somebody you know who's sort of in the book world but also yeah no I think we need more of it yeah, like I get a lot of questions about uh, like nonfiction recommendations, like about space and science books for this age. And I'm like, I can recommend you like chapter book, like, you know, early like, like, like picture books on up. And then I can recommend like the like, you know, very accessible adult stuff for older teens. But like there is a hole, I feel like in a lot of ways for books for this age range. So like I. Um, yeah. Yes, and and what's fun about them is that even this age range, I think, is really fun to read for adults as well, because it does tend to be a little bit more action oriented. Yeah. So you're still getting some of the like nostalgia sweetness of like, oh, you know, this is what it was like being in high school, blah, blah, blah. But also there's just like a fun adventure story attached to it where you're yep. like, OK, so it's like, yes, I definitely pitch this book as like a slice of life. Peter Parker, Mary Jane rom-com. <laughs> but it's still like super Spider-Man-y. Um, okay, so Spider-Man Social Dilemma is out in stores. Please pick it up. Please. Thank you. Yay. <laughs> and there will be two more. Yes. Do we, you don't have release dates for the next one, right? I feel like it's probably next year. I have. Yeah, it would the, make sense. I have like my manuscript with edits attached that I am working on right now. Yes. Um, okay, so the the main focus of this episode, we're going to talk about SDCC news. We yes. are going to talk about season one of Miss Marvel. That is on me because I have not finished it yet. I'm going to be <laughs> honest. Like just like the last few weeks between like work and travel and um, my I had to turn in my book uh, have been just a lot. And I just... You'll you will find out why when we talk about what we're doing. Also, why what it has been like occupying my attention. But I I'm four episodes in. I absolutely love it. It's so good. So like it's not that it's not good or capturing my attention. It's just like I think a lot about the episodes mm-hmm. while I'm watching them and after I'm watching them. And what I'm a lot of what I'm looking for right now in my entertainment is something that's a little honestly less engaging that I don't have to think about because. Everything's like. a lot. So we will get there uh, probably, I'm hoping, next week, if not the week after. But So we will be talking about it. I know people have been asking. But yes. for today, we are going to talk about SDCC, all the news. So much. So, so much, much news um, coming back after not like still midst of a pandemic still in the middle of a pandemic but it it was in person again uh yes it was in person i was encouraged to see that most people said like the mask mandate was enforced um and there are cases of covid that came out of the con but like from what i've heard everyone who's vigilant and diligent about masking uh seems to have done okay so um fingers crossed yep that everybody continues to test negative um but it was back in person again and there was a lot, a lot, yes, a lot, a, a lot. lot of it was news. a great. I feel like it was a great return to like SDCC, uh, um, and it made me have a lot of con FOMO. Uh, like just 
I miss cons and like I swear yes. I was never gonna go to like <laughs> NYCC again and here I am going to NYCC this year just because like I miss it I miss being yeah. in person I miss seeing people so um anyways okay let's start with Shazam 2 which I did not watch the like I have not seen Shazam yet I will but talk about let's talk about uh is like Zachary Fury, Levi, right? Fury of the Gods. Yes. Okay. I will say that first Shazam movie is very fun. Okay. I was, okay. I good. Was surprised by how much I enjoyed it. It was just like such a at the time such a break from kind of what DC was doing in the rest of their movies universe. There was like a lightness and a joy to it, and you know Zachary Levi is really fun and the title character. Shazam's a great character to do this with though because he is a child. Like, he okay. is a child who gets to be a superhero when he says the magic word. Like, Oh, really? Okay, is. okay. Yeah, he's a, it's a very tragic story. Like, there's this wonderful Superman Shazam story where Superman finds out that he's a kid and an orphan kid living on the street. And you're like, oh, oh wow. <laughs> really bats in my heart. Um, but so that first movie is really, really fun and very, like, joyful, but also is about, like, family and so without giving anything away in the second movie they're leaning into that okay um and it's you know we've got helen mirren is gonna be in it lucy is gonna be in it like it looks like just another really fun romp of a movie and i'm excited to see it i probably won't see it in the theater let's be real (laughs) i didn't see the first one in the theater but they are they're really really joyful it's like just a nice balance to like some of the more like darker iterations that come out of DC. It's like a great way to be like, look, we can also do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. The Dungeons and Dragons trailer. How <laughs> fun. Oh my God. I, I, I'm, I'm a huge Chris Pine fan, like just yes. generally uh, yes. for a lot of reasons, including his turn as Captain Kirk in the uh, Calvin vs. Star Trek movies. I think he's very well cast. Um, and this just looks so fun. It looks so funny. I am a recent D&D convert. I've only been playing Mm -hmm. since the pandemic started, basically, as a way to, like, hang out with friends. Um, but we've had a game going since May of 2020, I think, in the current game I'm running. And so it was fun to watch this trailer and be like, oh, I recognize that. Oh, I recognize that, too. This is really, it, and, like, in the spirit of, like, the absurdity of the game, I think, is what's joyful Mm -hmm. about it. Absolutely. Like, I've never played a D&D game. Um, and something, like, I always want to do, but, I'm, like, I always shy away from, like, the weekly commitment that a lot of these take because I just cannot predict, you know, my schedule enough to be able to do that. That being said, I would love to do it. But I've played enough, like, video games based on the D&D universe. I think, like, Baldur's Gate I've played. Mm-hmm. That's, so I, I'm familiar with the universe. And it just looks so fun and funny. Plus, supposedly, Hugh uh, Hugh Grant, who's in this, rolled into SDCC with the Horse and Hound magazine trailer <laughs> at the panel. <laughs> like, which, Donnie Kill is just one of my favorite movies. And, he, like, he's, like, sitting that's on the so panel good. and he's like, is there anybody from Horse and Hound here? Like, that's magazine, that magazine always shows up to these things, right? And I'm like, I love him and I love that. And, like... Uh, he's, I guess, I, probably the bad guy, I'm guessing, from the trailer. But anyway, uh, I just, I don't know. so good. It I love like it. Everyone's having a really good time. I'm very yes. excited for the continuation of Hugh Grant's press tour about this. Like, yes. There was some interview I watched where it was like the cast from, I think it might have been MTV because it was that Josh guy. Um, but he was like, 
He asked a question about Stranger Things, like something about Vecna. I've not seen the new Stranger Things. I've not yet. seen it either. Yeah. But he asked this, it was specific to Stranger Things, but he said, like, do you know something about Vecna, who I think is the bad guy this season? And <laughs> Chris Pine and Hugh Grant were both like, what? <laughs> I, I don't know what that is. That's a good pairing for, uh, for interviews. Know. I'm very excited say. for more of their just like, we, this. we're in a Dungeons and Dragons movie and we are going to act accordingly on yeah. the uh, press tour. So yes, I think it's going to be like very, very fun. <laughs> um, okay, the next one's you. <gasps> yes, because the Dragon Prince is back. Oh my God. Okay, okay, okay. The Dragon Prince is a... Uh, an animated series on Netflix. It has been okay. three years since oh, the last season. Okay, okay. Because I've heard you talk about it, but I'm like, I don't really know what it is. It's, I mean, it's fantasy, um, and it's this like really fun and in like uh, surprisingly deep story about this like fantastical land that has all these like conflicts within it and kingdoms, and there are obviously dragons. Um, and magic and elves and all of these things but what's fun about this season is the showrunners gave an interview and the first season starts with a narrator telling us setting up what the world is like they Mm -hmm. they tell you about what the state of the world is so that's three seasons ago which now I think is like six six seven years ago it must have premiered and this season, that narrator is coming into the oh, fold wow. as, like, a fully realized character who has been orating and sort of, like, pulling the strings behind the scenes a little bit. And I think it's going to shift everything we know about the previous seasons. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It's, like, very, very funny. It's it's very smart. It's so thoughtful in how – not just, like, in story but in representation. Like, it's amazing. I – Cannot believe it's finally coming back in November. I am so thrilled. <laughs> it's so good. Everyone should watch it. Um, what's next? Oh, Lord of the Rings trailer. Um, that trailer was very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I don't think I have a lot to say beyond like I'm really excited for this show. I wasn't sure what to expect. Uh, in terms of this, the show as a whole, um, but I really like what I'm seeing. I like the aesthetic. I like, you know, I, I don't know. I, it looks really good. They, the, the trailer hooked me. It's funny because it's like when it was first announced. I think a lot of it, a lot of people, myself included, were like, "What is this going to like? What is this going to be about?" It's one of those things that, like, I think we both really enjoy about Star Wars is like telling those stories, even though we know how it ends, mm-hmm. like. It's actually more interesting of a storytelling challenge to me when you know how the thing ends to be able to to create tension. Exactly. And so I think that's what this series is going to do in a really, based on the trailer, like beautifully epic sort of way. Yes. Um, I will say that one shot of, we don't know that this is Sauron. A lot of people Mm -hmm. have made assumptions that this character is Sauron. The like, this like I, I can't remember the actor's name, but it is this like very very pale blonde blue eyed person who just looks so petulantly angry in the one shot we get of that. I was like, this is amazing. I hope that is like Sauron, yeah. as you know the the proto human he was or or whichever race he was. And it just I, I love everything about that idea. Like that yep. sort of sums up like what I think is going to be so wonderful about this series. 
Yeah, I think I, I'm really excited to. Um, I'm 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 excited in a way I I think I don't I don't think I realized until mm-hmm. I because this was a ring I think it's, it's called Rings of Power. Yes. Uh, but this, I I was this was a show I was gonna watch no matter what even yeah. if it looked bad I was gonna watch it but I think. I realized until I, I didn't realize until I saw this trailer how much I was like holding my breath because I want it to be good and it looks like it's going to be good. And I think I saw a press release that like Howard Shore is coming back to yeah. do some of the score, which is, uh, I mean, his like, I still listen to his, like, yes. it's just epic and classic and amazing, like a uh, composer for the um the trilogy original trilogy so yeah no real i'm really excited about the show i think it's gonna be good and what's nice is that this pairs well with what our next beat of news is which is the wheel of time sizzle reel is these like epic fantasies coming out of this production these this uh are are so bright and beautiful and Mm -hmm. and look like they're gonna be telling a massive story that has a clear perspective and a clear yes. point of view on story um, in a way that there possibly had been some misses previously, <laughs> not to yeah. compare all epic fantasies, but you no. know, it, it was nice to see something where you have like a, I think it's going to be really fun. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, is to say uh, we can say a lot about Amazon and we have said a lot about Amazon, yep. but um, in a, they are doing in terms of entertainment only they are, they seem to be looking for people with a vision and spending money, like money is no object for them. Like they will spend whatever money they have to, which for good and bad, but it results in, it seems to be resulting so far in good quality productions um, versus like a Netflix, which uh yeah, I can say a lot. But anyways, I won't. But I am reasonably, I don't want to say confident. Um, I am glad that this looks good. I will put it that way. I think what we can say is that in this horrific and complicated hellscape that we live in, yes, I am excited to see people of color thriving. Yes. <laughs> Yes. In in whatever ways they can. Yes. <laughs> I 100% agree. Agree. Um, so, Wheel of Time sizzle reel. Yes, it looks really good. I don't really have anything to say about it beyond it looked really good because I didn't, you know, I feel like maybe you recognize some of the locations or some of the images possibly from having read the books. Um, I don't, but I am really glad to see they did already get a season three pickup. Yeah, it's so they're picked up. The big news, I think, because you like it's a sizzle reel. We like uh, Jen and I talked about this on um, Tarval and her bust that dropped today. It's you can't really tell, and yeah, I know Rafe Jedkins has plotted out eight seasons, and so distilling fourteen books into eight seasons is Whew. no joke. And so it seems like he he came out and said season three has been picked up. It's probably largely going to focus on book four which i think then we can surmise that season two will largely be books two and three which Mm -hmm. is great news in my opinion because in book three rand is basically like out of pocket like he's barely on the page for i'm not going to say reasons because spoilers but he's like barely on the page um for 
plot reasons that make sense and it makes sense for the book. So it, it works, I think, to pull sort of some of those threads and tie them together so you have more meaningful plot threads moving forward for all the characters. I right. am, I wish we had seen a little bit more of the new actor playing Matt mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I did like Barney Harris so much. Um, we still don't know what happened with that, right? No idea. Um, my guess, he just had to pull out for personal reasons at this yeah, point. That's, like, like, at this point, like, if it was any shenanigans, we would have heard about right, it. So I think I it's agree. just a, a choice that mm-hmm. probably the actor made. Um, but I do wish we'd seen a little bit more of him. But I am excited by what little we did see. I think they're going to do something different. It's going to be a, like, this is what I liked about the first the first season, is that it is going to be a true adaptation. It is not going to be just a mirror image of what we got from the books. It's going to be mm-hmm. like a hitchhiker's guide situation (laughs) where you like it's a whole new story with characters we love told in a different way so i'm i'm excited i think it's gonna be good yeah um and then the next piece of news you and i were both oh my god i'm gonna be so annoying incredibly incredibly excited to hear that charlie cox we knew charlie cox was gonna be back as daredevil um he's already been matt murdoch uh in um the third spider-man movie but uh, he is not only going to be in She-Hulk, but he is back with an 18-episode series with him and uh, Kingpin yeah. um, called Daredevil Born Again. Yeah, so we're, we're getting like uh, bits and pieces of Charlie Cox coming back. He, he and uh, Vincent D'Onofrio were confirmed for the Echo series. Then he, there's like this teeny tiny like clip of him in She-Hulk, which I lost my damn mind watching and then of course the big big news which is the eight, 18 episodes which is like massive so like so what like big what are they doing like you know I don't know I mean I'm excited about it because it's and we'll talk about this I think with Miss Marvel but like a lot of times one of my biggest requests coming out of Marvel series are that I wish they had more time Yes. Like it, they do the, they have this wonderful setup and then it feels like it by the end they have to rush because they have like one episode to wrap everything up. Right. And I was talking to somebody online about how like what's kind of fun about this is they have the room to like in those classic sort of 23 episode network television series, they might have some fun here with like a monster of the week situation where it's not yeah. necessarily so intensely plot driven where like every week they're gonna drop like all these bombs like maybe we'll get a a, some some time to like live with the character in a way when like charlie cox like man those first two seasons of daredevil on netflix are so good Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. my only hope is that they bring Electra back elodie young and charlie cox have such amazing chemistry they do they do yeah i really i liked most of the cast for uh that like yeah. most of the main cast um also less racist I, that is another hope i have for it <laughs> racist at all but like you know i mean but just you know like don't kill all the asian people please <laughs> um yeah no i'm super excited about this and i agree i'm hoping that this is marvel trying out a new format of storytelling um, because you know, they, they started with, like, this, you know, they've made the foray into television, and 
um, with the MCU specifically and now are clearly very successful and are good at that like six, eight episode format. And now let's try something new and see if it works. And I feel like this is a really good property to do it with because like people feel the way they feel about those original three Daredevil like seasons. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some people love some of them. Some people hate some of them, but I feel like the one universal thing that everyone agrees on is Charlie Cox is so good as both Matt Murdock and Daredevil. Like he is so good. And so like centering doing a longer series around this character and same thing as uh, Wilson Fisk Kingpin, like De Vincent D'Onofrio so good. Like making these two, the, the like pillars of your, series like it's such a good idea just more more uh, kingpin monologues please i will i will watch every kingpin monologue i will yeah. watch bring back leland owsley so oh ju- just so i can hear him say my best friend leland owsley oh my god <laughs> um <laughs> i'm so excited so excited i'm very excited um all right so also we have to have to talk about Wakanda forever I know it's a very emotional <sighs> very emotional trailer really yes. so well I mean so well done obviously but an incredibly cut trailer like yes just, just very you know very powerful very moving um yeah no I mean I don't have it was funny because Ryan was like my husband was like I uh didn't realize that uh it was going to be about like Atlantis and Namor and I was like yeah. wait you I was like, you didn't pick up the reference in Avengers, like, Endgame that was, like, three seconds about this. And <laughs> Ryan just looked at me like I was, like, that person that, you know, I was I was the annoying person and I'm fine with that. Like, they do <laughs> reference it in, like, so, like, I knew when they said that in Endgame, I was like, okay, they're going to bring in Atlantis into the next, into, I didn't know if it was going to be the next Black Panther movie, but I knew they were going to bring it in. Anyways, uh, but I think the really powerful thing about this trailer is obviously, not only are they mourning, like they're mourning T'Challa on screen, but they're mm-hmm. also like you you can tell what the grief is genuine and these yes. actors are working through their grief. Yes. Uh, for Chadwick. And it's very powerful. It it is, it's very powerful. It's very heartbreaking. It's I do I do want to talk about Namor. Mm-hmm. Uh Tenek Huerta is playing Namor and mm-hmm. just so handsome. Yeah. Yeah. Like so, so handsome. It, I I have no idea what to expect in terms of like what the actual story is because Marvel is notorious for like you know putting things in the trailer that aren't in the movie and things like that. So we don't really know what the story is going to be. It does from the movie as it stands, it looks like there's going to be a big showdown between mm-hmm. Wakanda and Atlantis. Um, but like I think the visuals look stunning. Like it looks like a beautiful movie. It looks like a beautiful movie. It looks like it's gonna be a very like heartfelt movie. I I just I it comes out in November and I can't wait. Like I think mm-hmm. it's gonna be just ugh, I like I don't even know. I don't there's like a shot at the end where we get the back of somebody in the suit and there's a lot yeah. of like questioning about who that might be. Who is it? Do you have a, I, do you have your theories? I don't know. I hope it's Nakia. That's my theory. My theory right? is it's Nakia. Yeah. I think she would be really strong. Oh, also Ironheart is in this. Riri yes. Williams. Yes, which I did not expect. Same. I, I don't know I if didn't... we knew that, but. Um... I knew they're doing the TV show, but I yeah, don't think I, I knew, knew that... that she would make her be debut in, this movie. in, in yeah. this movie. Um, But she is canonically the, is it the third smartest? Yeah, after Luna. 
Luna is number one. Lunella is number one from yeah, uh, Lunella, Lunella and right? Devil Dinosaur. Then Tony Stark, right? I think. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't but know. Riri, Riri's in like very the smart, top five, very smart. Yeah, I think smartest people in the comics universe, and so it makes sense that she would be part of this like hyper, like intelligent and aware system with in, within Wakanda. But yeah, I don't know. I'm just excited. I'm just mm-hmm. excited to see like what happens and excited to cry a lot <laughs> yeah yeah no I'm I, that, I I probably will not see in theater because of that it's just kind of a movie I want to see at home but mm. we'll see what happens and how I'm feeling come November because that's a while yeah. away well um, so then this what kind of forever is going to end phase five yes um and then phase six is going to kick off with fantastic four yeah which is, oh, there is a thing that we can't talk about, I think, until you finish Miss Marvel. But this did get me thinking about, like, with Namor being cast mm-hmm. with Tana Guerta, I was like, who could be Reed Richards mm-hmm. there? And somebody, I wish I could remember who said it, but I, it was, like, somebody who just posted a picture, so I can't even, like, term search. But someone said Aldous Hodge for mm-hmm. Reed Richards. And, mm-hmm. like, Yes. That yes, a hundred percent yes. That is what I want. That is the only thing of like beat of casting that I have thought about. That I'm like yes, I hundred percent. I could understand Sue Richards being like, I don't know what I'm gonna do <laughs> between Reed and Namor. <laughs> it's um, it's like this is one of the few like besides like the X Men. This is one of the few iconic roles. Mm-hmm left i think uh, i'm trying to think of the comics but like you know the, the fantastic four you know like so yeah um yes so i'm really curious to see what they do with that and then they're going to like take it through and it ends with another avengers two-parter i believe yeah because kang is kang, gonna be yeah. the, the big bad which i'm so excited for jonathan majors because he was so fun at the end mm-hmm. of loki mm-hmm. um but yeah i don't we're entering it's so funny i think we're entering the mcu uh now of the why because comics version right where like you don't have to see everything you just accept the things they tell you there will be discrepancies there will be ways in which the movies don't line up and like whatever it's comics it's it's yeah and uh it's a little more fun a little taking itself less seriously so that's exciting um so yeah but i'm really excited to um uh see what see what the next phase of marvel brings us there's like four movies scheduled for next year too like it's a lot it's a little bit it's like all the tv shows and the movies are like a little bit much but that's yeah. what i mean is like i think it's gonna be like we're getting to the point where it's like when i read events like an event in comics there are there's so many comics in that event that i just don't read because i'm like i yeah. don't nobody has time i can't yeah. read everything just tell me what i need to know and I'm, I remember good. I'm good correctly that one of the Avengers movies is Secret Wars Secret Invasion Secret no there's 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 Invasion I feel like <laughs> there's something invasion. no Secret Invasion is the TV show yeah <laughs> see no, this I think is it's, like I don't know there's it's so Secret much. Wars it's Secret okay. Wars okay okay which uh yeah, which is like a big crossover event. I don't know. Like now I'm like getting myself confused. Anyways, it's a Marvel crossover event in the comics. Anyways, we will see what happens. I don't even want to speculate because my brain is so full of like 
I don't have the same like information dump hangover from SDCC that I think I have in previous years. Yeah. Because I think I'm more excited and I am more in a place where I'm okay not watching everything. Whereas yes. in previous years, it felt like, oh my God, these were going to be like my TV chores. Yes. You know, like for this is my TV life for the next like five years. And now I'm like, eh, I'm pro- I'll watch. I guess I'll watch. I think like I'll watch what I'll watch and I'll watch it when it comes to streaming and whatever. Um, yeah. So- I like a hundred percent. A hundred percent agree. Yeah. Um, I think like I'm excited about She-Hulk. I'm gonna watch the crap out of She-Hulk because mm-hmm. I've been waiting for like a She-Hulk legal dramedy where she gets to meet other lawyer Matt Murdock for like yeah. five years. But we'll watch him when we watch him. We'll watch him when we watch him. That's absolutely <laughs> like I'll watch or some things I'll watch immediately because I'm really excited about them. Other things I'm really excited about, but I won't like Miss Marvel was has been like at the top of my yes. list for how long? And still, like I'm like weeks and weeks behind. It took me like I just finished the series the season finale of Strange New Worlds, which is like one of my favorite shows in recent memory. Uh like last like it's just I can't, like I can't. And so I did say I I've left my let myself off the hook. Unless I'm covering it for work, there's no guarantee I'm going to get to it in any timely fashion. And I'm fine with that. And I've, I've also gone to the point where spoilers don't bother me. Um, um, I'm not there yet. I like, I like, I mute as much as I can. But like, when I, what I find too is that there's so much stuff in these movies and shows that mm-hmm. like getting something spoiled, like I, I, a lot, a lot got spot, spoiled for me for Spider-Man uh, No, no Way, Way Home. Home, but a lot didn't. And so like, I find that even if, things here and there get spoiled a lot like there'll still be surprises and so Mm -hmm. that's um like you know like yes I knew that Toby and Pete were gonna show up I didn't realize how big of a role they would play nor did I know that Aunt May was gonna die so you know um like so there's still surprises um okay so last one is me um so there was a lot of Star Trek news at SDCC uh, first of all, we got um, a little more information about Star Trek Picard Season 3. Um, we got images of the cast as they mm-hmm. look now. And oh my lord, <laughs> every single one of them looks good. So so here's, this is kind of what we know based on the panel and like uh, me, uh, like, and and what the showrunner Terry Madalus has uh, revealed on Twitter and uh, me like DMing him and bugging him about things. Um, these are the things we know. So Picard, uh, you know, obviously know him, do seasons. We do not know who Brent Spiner is playing because here's the thing. (laughs) They revealed images of everybody except Brent Spiner. I am pretty sure that Brent Spiner has said specifically he does not want to bring Data back. He likes the send-off from season one, and I agree. It was a perfect send-off for the character. Uh, so the assumption would be he's playing Alton Sung, the um, the the scientist that he played as himself in season one. But they did not reveal his character poster with the other character posters. So that makes me think he is putting the makeup back on. Like, th- like the only reason in my head, I mean, <laughs> and of course I could be completely wrong about this, but in my head, I'm like, if he was just playing somebody who looked like himself, even if it's not Alton Sung, they would have just released the character poster. So either it's whoever he's playing is a big deal. So my assumption, and he's coming back as a series regular with everybody else or like a significant cast member. It's not cameos. Mm. So who's he playing? And so I think he's putting the makeup back on. Maybe he's playing Lore, Data's twin brother, maybe somebody else. But I think the makeup's going back on or he's playing some significant character we haven't seen. Uh, Troy and Riker, we've seen, 
we saw in season one they look mm-hmm. like themselves um Jordy looks fantastic yes. in the like teaser they posted he talks about his like kids like I'm just re- and, like I think he's a he's an admiral that we know uh, but he's a one pip admiral, which my friends at Trek Corps, which is an amazing Star Trek site, point out that like the only like really one pip, they're usually wearing one pip on his uniform. The one pip admirals are usually commodores, which are like the highest ranking oh. Starfleet officers. So I would love to see Jordy as like one of the like Starfleet elders at this point, because that would just be so good. Um, there is Hot Wharf. <laughs> Now, uh, who, if you've seen the posters, like, Worf, like, with white hair, white beard, uh, like, white, like, just looking fantastic. Like, just, and, like, in the, uh, in the, like, teaser, uh, the actual teaser and not the, just the promo poster, he has, like, the sword. And Terry has confirmed that he, like, he said he is not a captain. Like, basically, he's not a captain, but he's wearing four pips in the poster. So, like, Terry's been like, he's not a captain. He may hold the rank of captain, but he's not a captain. And where he is now is a direct result of like what we have seen in Dominion, in the DS9 and the Dominion War. So my thinking is he like left Starfleet at some point, like after he achieved, because like at the end of DS9, he goes to be like ambassador to the Klingon Empire. And then at some point he may have come back, been promoted again to captain and then like left. He's still wearing the house of Martok sigil. So still a house of Martok. Um, so yeah, looks fantastic. Um, and then Crusher, obviously, she looks great. And so a lot good. of the promo centered around what I love is she looks her age. Like all the yes. women look like everybody looks their age, but they all look so good. Um, and a lot of the promo centered around like Patrick Stewart and Gates doing interviews together and doing Yay. so. I think they are really teasing a romance there. Um and then the other two characters in the uh, in the promo were Rafi, who looks great, mm-hmm. uh, Michelle Hurd, and Seven in a Starfleet uniform, who Terry has confirmed is a commander. So Commander Seven in Starfleet, and which is like very meaningful, I think, for a lot of Seven fans to see her actually like holding a rank and a commission in Starfleet. So that's what we know, and we know the big villain is going to be she. Have, but that we don't know anything about that um when is it when is it coming out we don't know um probably spring if yes so if you if you do the math they all they keep one series running concurrently like we're on a break right now thank god because there's been (laughs) as much as i love star trek it's been like basically a year continuous year of star trek lower decks is premiering in the fall in like august in like the end of august so say like three months, about three months of that. Okay. And then I'm guessing, I haven't heard anything about this back half of season one of Prodigy. My guess is they'll bring that back after Lower Decks. Um, is That's my guess. And then Picard will be in the spring. I think they're just starting or haven't even started production on Discovery season five yet. Stranger World season two is basically, I think, uh, in the process of wrapping production. Okay. So... But Picard season three is done. Filmed. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, because they filmed two and three at the same time. So, like, basically, it's either going to premiere after Lower Decks or they're going to drop Prodigy, the the back half of season one of Prodigy, which is 10 episodes, and then do Picard. My guess is, like, January, February. That would make sense and be on par with, like, that's what what I hope. Because. 
if it's like November, December, like it's fine, but like this can be really hard for me to get to the premiere. I mean, I'm gonna go because it's like <laughs> the original <laughs> cast, but like, oh, that's gonna be really bad for no. my schedule. So. My guess would it would my guess would it's gonna be in the spring. Yeah, that that I think it makes sense. So um yes. Yeah, so and then the other big news is Strange New Worlds and Lower Decks are going to have a crossover. Um, and from what I understand, it's going to be like a Who Framed Roger Rabbit style oh crossover God. where animated Mariner and That's Boiler incredible. show up for Strange Worlds. And what I'm loving about Star Trek right now, the renaissance of Star Trek we're in, is we've gotten past the, like, we need to establish ourselves and establish this is yeah. Trek. We've gotten past that seriousness, and now everybody is just having a yes. blast. It seems like everybody is just having so much fun. Yes. Like... Like, they're, everybody's just like, what's the weirdest shit we can do and put on screen? And let's do it. Like, and, like, who framed Roger Rabbit style, so like, good. animated and live action crossover? There's one episode of Strange New Worlds, which I love that they're doing these, like, there's one episode where, like, a kid's storybook comes to life and all the characters don these, like, renaissance, like, style, style costumes and, like, Oh my god! Just like have it's a just good like time. That's what and that's what is really like. I think every show, like even Picard, like with like they always do one season where they all dress up, yeah, like fancier, like clothes. Like, we love it. Yeah, and like everybody is just having fun, and like I really think that that's where we're at at this point, and like it's such a nice contrast to a lot of like things that take themselves very very seriously. Uh, and it's just, everybody's having a great time. And then Alex Kurtzman did confirm once again that there are two more Star Trek shows in production. Okay. Uh, so Kurtzman has been very clear that, like, five Star Trek shows is, like, that's what they want. Like, they don't want more than that. So Picard, we know season three is the last season. Right. Um, so I'm sure once that finishes up, we'll get the, like, we'll get the, like, announcement that another Star Trek show is in production, um, and then I'm guessing the second one will come after Discovery Bows, which is, I'm guessing seasons, they'll get, they'll finish season seven, like, season five is the next season, so we've probably got a couple of years out for that, but I'm guessing we're gonna get a Star Trek Starfleet Academy show, and then maybe the Section 31 show that we've been talking about with Michelle Yeoh, but her schedule my guess I'm is sure she's so bananas. expensive now and so hard to pin down. I'm not sure that show's ever going to happen at this point, which is sad, but like good for Michelle Yeoh. Like not <sighs> sad that she's getting all the money and I all mean, the jobs. Like honestly, I just want her to do it. Like I finally saw everything everywhere all at once a couple weeks ago. And it is truly just one of the best movies I've ever seen in my entire life. It, it's yeah. And she's so good in it. Like, Michelle Yeoh, do whatever you want, and I'll watch it. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I would love to see her in that series, but if it in that role because she's so good in it. But like, if if not, like, okay, they've you know, like, like I'm not, we're not like. I think the cool thing about Star Trek and the thing that they have shown us at this point, and I really genuinely feel deep down, is if if it's not Michelle Yeoh, it's going to be another right. woman of color or what, you know, like, I'm not like, oh my God, she's the one. And if we don't get her, we're never going to get another one. Like yeah, they yeah, have yeah. made very clear, like, like, I think they were very explicit. Like, yeah, we're going to put another black woman in the captain's chair. It's not mm -hmm. just Burnham. Like, you know, it's just, they have a very expansive and like deep, deep seated uh, 
commitment to inclusivity on these shows and could they do better yes we can always do better but like in a way that i think i think it's not it's just you can i feel strongly that it's not added on at the end they're not Mm -hmm. doing it because you know like they're not doing it because they have to or it's what they feel like they should be doing it's just like a star trek where infinite diversity and infinite combinations it's a fundamental part of the franchise and so i feel like we're really seeing it and i don't know i'm so excited about it i'm just so excited about there's there's a lot of good stuff coming out that is uh I mean, we have we have stuff to look forward to now for for ages and ages and ages, yep. which is awesome. Um, we're gonna be talking about this stuff for the rest of our lives. Yes, that's what um, <laughs> we are. We are going to be, and it's gonna die. My on my on my tombstone is gonna be a list of all the shows I didn't get to. I, I was just because saying that. just just, like, just I'm gonna die, oh and there's gonna God. be so much content like, I haven't watched no. yet. I remember years ago being on an episode of Strong Female Characters. Uh, when and admitting that like i'm obsessed with this idea of like dying before i know how (laughs) you know what it is oh my god Um, when we went through this with all the star when the star wars runners started happening yeah obsessed with this idea of like dying before i know how stories end but like as i get older i come more to terms with the idea that i'm gonna die without knowing how things end (laughs) it's so morbid but also like there's so I I don't know how to think about it in any other context. I mean, I think it tells. <laughs> I think it's. A, I think it's a very good indicator of how important story is to you and how important yes. this stuff is to you. And I think that's. Yes. I think that's very sweet and very, <laughs> very like very honest and like a really like I think that's a deeply felt thing. And I think that's very nice. Oh, thank you. That's a that's a wonderful way I think to wrap our San Diego Comic Con yes. news. I was segment. gonna say too. Do you remember when I was like, oh, this will take us like twenty minutes. And we are 57 <laughs> minutes into recording. <laughs> okay, we're done, though. We're, we're done. Do. We're, we're done. Gonna, okay. We're going to wrap uh, this up. What are you doing right now? Well, I would like everyone to buy my Spider-Man book. Yes. Spider-Man Social Dilemma. I am working on other things that hopefully will be announced soon. Um, it's so hard to keep secrets. I hate, I hate keeping secrets. It and is. so... But it, they're all really fun things and very exciting things that uh, that I hope people will read and engage with. Um, but yeah, for now, Spider-Man Social Dilemma is out. Oh, and my third Avengers Assembly book comes out in September that I keep forgetting about, and that's oh, terrible my God. to say. No, Ex- I keep forgetting about it. <laughs> Exchange Students 101, and okay. it includes the X-Men. So oh, that's, that's super exciting. Uh, yeah, what are you working on? Um, PBS, I'm still doing my show, obviously. Yeah. Um, episode three drops tomorrow on the 28th of July. It's Can on Can you say what it's cannabis. about? Yeah. So I'm very excited about this episode because it is, uh, it is, we really get into the science. Like we've, we've struggled a little bit with the scope of the show. It's only an eight to 10 minute YouTube episode. So how do we talk about these huge topics in that amount of time? And I think really with cannabis, mm-hmm. we start like, drilling down into the topic and like talking about the specific science and like like the hard stuff that we want to talk about and so I'm, I'm really I'm proud of every episode we've done so far but this is the one I feel like we've really like start nailing the show That's awesome um and uh still doing my wired column um did a uh posted a um a 
put that one up today. Um, and then my uh, stargazing book is coming out in fall of 2023. Which we so will link to the minute it's yes, available. Yes, it's not available anytime right now. I'm just, I'm waiting on copy edits. Copy edit, so like <laughs> deep in it. Okay, what are you into? Um, okay, what am I into right now? The What We Do in the Shadows, the new season just started. So there are three episodes in. It's so funny. It's so amazingly, incredibly funny. Like, I cry laughing. And so, uh, man, Harvey Goylin, Goylin, I'm sorry, I'm, I should have looked up how to say his name, but he is Guillermo on the show, and he's also voicing Nightwing and Harley Quinn, huh. is, I think, one of my favorite people to watch on the planet. He is so, his delivery is just so, so, so good. Um, I wish, like, I'm so sad of having to watch it week to week because it brings me such joy every week. Uh, and then I am reading slash listening to, I just finished Mel Brooks' uh, All About Me autobiography. It's highly recommend the audiobook because it's just Mel Brooks, like, riffing. And that whole book can be summed up in, I love what I do. My friends are super talented. And I just like to keep finding ways to work with them because I love them so much. Fair. Right? I was like, mm-hmm. same. same. Okay, so thing. how would, because I'm, I'm curious about, the, I'm looking I'm looking for a new audio book and I'm curious about this book. I love Mel Brooks, certain Mel Brooks book movies very intensely, but I have mm-hmm. not in any, I've not watched all of them. Same. There are okay. definitely movies I was too young to see. And yes. so um, there are some that I, there were some that I was like, I didn't even know you were involved in this movie. Okay, okay. Um, which was fun. It's delightful. It's just okay. him telling these stories about his and he has like an incredible life, but it's told with his like kind of wit and perspective on life, which he says very mm-hmm. early on in this wonderful quote about like no matter it's I'm paraphrasing now because I can't remember the exact quote, but it's basically like no matter how horrible life is, if you can laugh, you can get through it. Yeah, that's and, very good. And so he kind of that is what is seeded throughout this entire like joyful experience of listening to him talk about all these things he's done and movies he's made and people he's worked with like there's this great story he tells about uh what would probably at the time have been a very like anxiety inducing trial where the producer and and the head of studio he was used to working with and who was a very good friend of his at Fox left the company Mm -hmm. uh he also lost like the foreign rights person that he loved working with left the left fox and he had this like open contract that was a great deal for him because he had such a great working relationship with this head of studio that fox was like we're not going to honor this we're not doing this this is not good for the good for us and the way he tells it obviously looking back with his hindsight and tells it in this very funny story but he tells it in such a way that it doesn't feel like um, oh, this was just some silly little thing. Like, it still has, like, that depth, and you can tell that it was something that was very, like, try- like trying for him, but he's so funny about it that you find yourself being like, I could get through this. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Good. It's really good. It was just a really, really great listen. Um, I'm sure reading it is also very, very fun. I'm, I'm looking for like an audiobook specifically, and I just like celebrity like memoirs and audio yeah. because like funny celebrity memoirs and audio are like the best audio experiences. Right? So highly, highly recommend. Um, and then 
on I'm still in my DC Comics reading kick because I I'm not sure that's ever going to end now because I'm yeah. just in I live in it now. But yeah. on this week on DCUI started the new mini run um The Night which is about Batman's sort of like Bruce Wayne's like journey to becoming Batman. Uh, written by Chip Zdarsky and drawn by, I wrote this down, where are you? Carmine D. Gian Domenico. And it's beautiful and it's like beautifully illustrated, beautifully colored. And the writing, of course, is Chip Zdarsky. It's so good. Yeah. It's like emotional and tr- like at times you're just like gasping out loud in this like, you know, 32 page comic book or whatever the way he's framing the story we all thought we knew is very smart. And I know I've, I've seen spoilers. So I know my new favorite DC character Ghostmaker, is going to show up. I'm very excited for what is coming down the line with this series, but it's, yeah, it's called Batman the night and first issue is out on DC UI. And I think six or seven issues are out in the real world. I want to say. And so, yeah, that's what I'm doing. What are you doing? I don't know because I can't find where we're to John. Okay, here we go. Um, so uh, what I have found out is that like not being able to hold stuff in my working memory is a byproduct of my yes. ADHD. Uh, I did not realize that. And so that has understanding that um, has helped me a lot in terms of accepting that doesn't mean I'm stupid. It, it feels like if you can't remember things, you're stupid. And so like, I know thing anyway, sorry, this is total digression, but I can't hold things in my working memory. That's okay, but this is why I write things down. Okay, so I got a Steam Deck, which if you aren't a huge gamer, this is a like, it's basically a handheld. Steam is the big platform where you buy PC games. Okay. It's basically a handheld. Can I tell you that every time you brought it up, like every time you mentioned Steam Deck in our group text, I keep meaning to be like, I don't know what that is. Okay, okay. So it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's basically a Nintendo Switch. Like think about a Nintendo Switch. It's much larger. It is larger, but it's a handheld PC that you can play video games on. Oh. Like literally like a Nintendo Switch, like like it, it's large it is larger than a switch it is almost too big for my hands but i can make it work but it is like it's just like and i don't have a pc to game on so and so like, like i feel like console. yeah exactly okay and it's it's uh i don't have a pc to game on so i feel like i miss out on a lot of games especially like if they come out on the xbox because like i don't know man even if i ha- i have an xbox and an part and a good controller but i still just do not boot that thing up Mm-hmm. Um, but like, so I, I really enjoy playing it. So I've been like, I just installed Mass Effect on it to see if it would work because like the, the, the hiccup is you're playing PC versions of games, a lot of which are meant to be played with a mouse and keyboard, right. but you're playing with a controller. So the games you play have to have basically full controller support. Um, and so it can be hit or miss getting stuff to work. But anyway, I installed Mass Effect just to see if it would work and it works beautifully. And I just did it to see if it would work. And now I'm like 40 minutes, 40 hours into like awesome. a Mass Effect <laughs> trilogy replay because that's what happens. So that's been, been taking up most of my time. Um, I've been watching Only Murders in the Building season two. Only the first episode in like, I think half the seasons aired. Love this show. So funny and so weird. Um, and then I'm reading You're Invited by Amanda, Amanda Jayatissa, who, who is a Sri Lankan American uh, writer who writes like crime thrillers. I loved her first one. Um, and so, uh, which I am blanking on the name of right now, but um, yes, very good book. Highly recommend it. And then I just wanted to shout out because I don't really have a place to talk about it. Uh, JWST, which is the huge 
NASA observatory has started sending back its first images and they are just breathtaking and fantastic. Yeah. And if you need to feel inspired, like if you are dead inside, which I do not blame <laughs> you for, if you need to feel inspired, like, and you're not following all that, ch- check out those photos, read a like, read, like read a write up of what you're looking at. I've done some videos or you can like, you know, find an article of videos on your thing, but like, it's, it's pretty cool. Like it's, it's just, it's pretty cool. Um, I did forget to say that I should have said I have events coming up. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Please. Oh, forgot. Thursday. So tomorrow, July 28th, I'm going to be talking to Alex Segura, who is a great friend to both of us, about Spider-Man for Print Bookstore. And then Saturday, I am hanging out with Stephanie Williams, who is another incredible comics writer. Um, she's currently doing the Nubia run for DC uh, for loyalty books. And yes. we will put links in the show notes for both of those to register. And if you want to come hang out with us and listen to us talk about Spider-Man and comics, it's going to be a good time. I am really glad you said that because I thought that the uh, that your event with Alex was on Friday. And it so- was. And oh, then- it did. It got changed. Okay, it- thank God. Because I was like, I swear I blocked off my Friday evening. No, I know because Alex texted me in a panic like a week ago and was like, ah, uh, my wife has told me that we have plans on Friday. Uh, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> and so we moved it to Thursday, which is good. It's better yes, anyways. Yes, yeah, yeah, better. <laughs> I was like, oh, did I block off the wrong day? Which is fine. It's not, you know, like, it's fine. I can change it. It's just like, okay, good to know. Um, okay. <laughs> Oh, I'm man. very excited for your events. Thanks. They're going to be fun and probably as loopy as this podcast has been. <laughs> yes, I know. Because I'm so tired. So we are part of the Hard Knock, Lo- Hard Knock Life podcast network. You can find, not only can I not hold things in my working memory, I can't read either. And it's a problem, apparently. <laughs> we are part of the Hard Knock Life podcast network. You can find all the podcasts in the Hard Knock Media family at hardknockmedia.com. That's NOC for Nerds of Color. And a huge thank you to our Patreon supporters. Thank you to Meredith and Rita at the $12 level and Amber, Jordan, Annie, Brandy, Claire, Brian, Robert, Chris, the Knott family, Bria, Geshev, Ruth, and Gavita at the $5 level. You can come hang out with us at patreon.com slash Girls. Uh, you can also find us on social, on Twitter, at Girls. I am at runwithskizzers, S-K-I-Z-Z-E-R-S. I am at S Krishna on Twitter and Instagram and at Swapna underscore Krishna on TikTok. Uh, and until next time, we'll see, we'll see you. you in hell. In hell. <laughs>